Welcome to another installment of the Weird Pastor's Kid Podcast. I am your humble and gracious host, Shelton Williams, and today we're going to start a brand new series for you guys. Now, if you guys have been on this channel for a little bit, you know, um, or last for the last few weeks, I, to say, I should say, is that you know that we're in a new series on, on our Saturday podcast, all right? In our Saturday podcast, we've been going through Star Wars, okay? You've been going through my journey of um, learning more about this franchise that I knew nothing about. So that's what we're doing every Saturday. But we're starting a new podcast on Wednesdays where we are talking about out-of-context Bible verses, Okay, what are some Bible verses that we think we know? Um, but then once we actually begin to read the actual context, you start realizing, wait a minute, we don't know this verse as much as we think that we do. And if we're going to be honest, many of us have grown up in churches. Um, we we have um, we clung to some verses that we love and we think it means, you know, what we you know, we, th- we think it means, oh, man, it means this. And then once you begin begin to go on your spiritual journey, you begin to realize that, wait a minute, this verse does not mean what I think it does. And today we're going to um, go through a verse that for years I have been, you know, um, using it out of context for so long. And it is Philippians chapter four, verse number 14. The King James Version, it says, um, um, you know, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me, um, you know, things of that nature. The verse uh, version that we're going to be going over, um, the, it states it states it like this. Um, oh, sorry. It's Philippians 4.13. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. OK. And so for many of us, um, how we've used this kind of on a context. Let me tell you how we've done this. And some of you are listening to me right now. It goes, what, what are you talking about? There's probably a, a sect of people that are listening that are like, I use this verse all the time. How am I using this verse out of context? And so let me tell you how you have been using it. And then we'll go into it. Um, how do we can kind of get out of that? But how we normally use this verse is we say, man, I can do I can do that. I can do all, all these things through, through Christ. So you sit back and say, man, you have um, a job interview. You're, you're, you're going through this job interview. And the way you you um, uh, help yourself, the way that you uh, motivate yourself, the way that you um, encourage yourself is you sit back and say, I can do all things through Christ, right? You go to that job interview and that's how you're using it. Um, you you want to get that promotion on your job and you to, to, to motivate yourself to, and as after you apply, you mean, man, I can do all things through Christ. I can do all things. And so you, you're, you're using this ver, uh, verse because you want to motivate yourself. You're using this verse because, man, you want to encourage yourself that you are able to do what at, at, at this particular moment in time, you feel like whatever task or whatever situation that you are feeling a little bit insecure, you're feeling, um, you're looking at your how inadequate you are, but yet you sit back and say, man, even though I see myself as inadequate, I can use this verse to encourage me. I can use this verse to try to patch up some of the insecurities that I have about different situations, about different tasks. And you sit back and say, I can do all things through Christ. And one, this is, how, you know, this is the way that we say that we use it. But honestly, if we take a really deep inventory of our lives, we're only where Jesus is a byline in this verse for many of us. Uh, many of us, when we use this verse, it's I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, yeah. Through Jesus. 
I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. We, we, we got, yeah, yeah, we got. Because Jesus isn't really, even if we were using that verse, right, in context, many of us don't have a real relationship with God anyway. Let's, let's, let's point that out, right? So we don't have a true relationship with God, um, but yet we want to say, oh, yeah, yeah, with you, I can do this, right? So this verse is completely, we use this completely out of context, use it for our, our own um, encouragement and motivational benefit. Okay. And there's other verses that you can kind of do that with, but this is not what this verse is talking about. All right. And so what we're going to do in order to understand a context of a Bible verse, you need to understand the verses before it and also the verses after it. And even sometimes you have to even read the whole book to really understand what one particular verse is really describing and what it's really trying to state for us, for us to grab a hold of. And so um, in order for us to do that today, what we're going to do, we're going to go through the entire chapter of Philippians chapter number four. And when we go over it, we're going to go verse by verse throughout um, many of these verses in here to see what exactly um, is the um, God trying to show us through the writings of Paul. And let's see what is um, I can do all things through Christ. What does that mean? And how's that? And, and even though it may not mean what we think it does, how can the true meaning of that verse still encourage us even um, what we're going through right now? All right. So sit back, relax and let us dive into the context of a a verse that's used out of context and see how it can encourage us today. In Philippians chapter number four and verse number one, it begins by saying, so then my dearly beloved, uh, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters. Now, before we go into it, okay, I, I'm trying to say that we have to understand, to, to really understand Philippians 4.13, we have to go through the beginning of Philippians chapter number four, or even go through the, you know, the whole chapter like I was discussing. But in Philippians chapter four, um, it says, so then, that's how it starts off the chapter four. So so you're sitting back going, if you're reading chapter four, not reading one, two, and three, you're looking, verse four says, so then, which means after everything I just discussed previously take that information and then so then so then so then <laughs> because we just you know we said that a lot of us need to read the whole chapter philippians a whole chapter philippians that's what we really need to do um but so then my dearly loved and long for brothers and sisters in Philippians chapter three, Paul was being was pushing um, the Philippians and really letting them know there's some things that you're not doing correctly. OK, but so then even though I was ad- admonishing you, is that probably the right word for it? Um, I want you to understand you're still loved and you're still longed for. And he continues and says that you are my joy and crown. So in verse Philippians chapter four, verse number one. So then my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner. And what I've just talked with you about, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I know that you that I've just in I know I was just going at you. I was correcting you. But even though I've done those particular things to you, I want you to stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. And then he goes in verse number two, I urge, 
Euodia uh, and I heard Sintish, and I know I'm messing up these um, people's names and I'm so sorry, but he's urging these women to agree in the Lord, verse number two, and whatever they, whatever was going on in the church at that time, these women must have been in such a disagreement and it must have been, um, a, it must have been a big argument or disagreement that Paul feels the, the need to address these women um, directly and specifically. And he's directing to them and says, hey, I know you guys aren't, aren't in agreement right now, but I'm urging you, agree in the Lord, all right? Yes, I also ask you, true partner, verse number three, to help these women who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers whose names are whose names are in the book of life. He's urging, man, that you got to get along. You've got to, and I want you guys to do it because it seems like these faithful women had lost sight of the bigger picture. So he says, I understand you guys have this disagreement, but I'm urging you right now to agree in the Lord. Find some some um, find some some point of agreement here. I want you to agree and I want you guys to understand that you women are important because you contended for the gospel at my side. OK, you guys are your names are written in the book of life. I want you to to I know right now you're looking at this argument that you guys are having earthly, but I need you to look at it spiritually, spiritually, because there's a bigger thing at play and it's the gospel of God. And I'm urging you to agree in the Lord. Now, even though this is the case, even though the church is is is, is um, handling some things incorrectly, even though there's some disagreements inside the church, even though there are problems outside of the church and, and things are going on right now that aren't great, I want us to read Philippians 4, 4. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again. Rejoice. See here, the church is facing opposition within and without. And yet Paul is writing a letter about joy. And he's telling these Philippian believers, you must rejoice. And from a human perspective, let's talk about it. This is not making any sense because here you have these group of people that are dealing with problems outside of the church, dealing with problems inside the church. And despite that, Paul is saying you must rejoice. Paul is writing this letter, man, and, and he's telling these people, man, God, God wants you to rejoice despite your circumstances. You see, worldly happiness, because everything, every time you turn around, you look, turn on TV, you even talk to Christian brothers and sisters, and they believe that their purpose in life is to make themselves happy. Now, worldly happiness is always tied to circumstances. But godly happiness is what is called this joy thing. And this joy thing is not tied to a circumstance. Joy is tied to the fact that I can rejoice despite what I am going through. So let's let's talk about this for just a little bit about this thing called joy. Paul is calling for a celebration because the difference between joy and secular happiness is that secular happiness depends on what happens, right? 
Oh man, you get cut off in traffic? Nah, it ain't no happy day. I can't. Uh uh uh. I am not happy. Your wife is not doing what you would want her to do. All of a sudden, you are not happy. All of a sudden, that that job situation isn't going on the way that you want. You are not happy. Oh, Euodia and, and Sintich, they are not agreeing in the Lord. They are probably not happy at this moment, right? As Paul is writing. The church is probably not happy because they're reading this, this letter. And in this letter, Paul is, is correcting them and saying, hey, you guys need to fix your eyes on the prize. You need to see things in a see things not earthly, but see things spiritually. And as they're reading this letter, there, there's some people that probably aren't happy. And yet Paul is through the aid of the Holy Spirit is telling these believers, but you must rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. So if things are going, see what happens with us when we when we live for happiness. So if things are going in an upward direction in life, you feel up. Oh, yeah, you happy. I'm happy because I'm happy. Mess around if you feel like a, I don't I don't know the words to the song. So this bad because I'm happy. I'm happy. Life is going great. I just got a promotion because I'm happy. Hey, my kids are doing good. So I am happy. Yeah, because I'm happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm happy. Right. So we live in for this happiness. We're living for this feeling. We're living for this. Um, uh, we're living for when when things are going great. That's we we are living for um, the upward direction in life. So when things are going up, man, you happy. When things are going down, man, you are sad. You are down because your circumstances is tied to your happiness. See, this keeps you on an emotional roller coaster. But joy, joy says, I'm not tied to the emotional roller coaster of life. Joy can be stable despite the situation. Because, man, I'm not tied to these earthly things. Joy is tied to something else. Joy is tied to something heavenly. Joy is tied to something bigger than that. You see, we must choose to rejoice. In order to experience the joy that God promises to us. Now, when we talk about joy being a celebration, I want you to I want us to think about this for a second. How can you celebrate when things ain't going good? Like when I think about celebration, I think about, man, a high school graduation. Right. Or we think about, oh, uh, you know, uh, just uh, oh, a baby shower. You're celebrating things. You're, you're celebrating a baby being born. You're celebrating um, a graduation, a college graduation, things that if you are celebrating because of these particular acts or these accomplishments that you've done. But yet, how do you celebrate? How can you have joy? How can you rejoice when you just found out your mom has cancer? How do you rejoice when you just you go into work like you always do and they tell you, listen, I just want you to know one particular thing. Um, you're not this is your last day at this job. I want you to, to find out how do you rejoice when 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 um, you just found out that your kid is sick again and you're you're going through you're dealing with this or how do you deal with the fact that you find out that your child does not want this God that you serve? 
How do you rejoice? You see, humanly speaking, what we're talking about makes zero sense. But Paul is stating through the aid of the Holy Spirit that we must rejoice. And let's go to verse number five. It says, let your graciousness, ooh, this is good, be known to everyone. The Lord is near. In other words, see, this is what I find so great is, I know they're going through different things, church. Rejoice, but also let your graciousness be known to everyone. In other words, don't spread unhappiness to others. This is tough for a lot of us. Many of us, let's be honest, many of us, we find community through complaining. Ooh, boy, that's, that's a bar. I want you to think about this for a second. Many of us find community through, com through complaining. But God is saying that let your graciousness be known to everyone. So you should be known as someone that is not someone that has a burden of complaining on their on their plate all the time. But you should be known to be gracious, having a spirit or an attitude of gracefulness or graciousness. You see, what's a what if, man is a, a, um, a phrase that says that your attitude determines your altitude. And for many of us, we do we have a sour attitude all the time. And God is saying, let not that be so named among you as saints. We must have an attitude of gratitude. So let's not spread unhappiness to others. You see, being gracious means we don't use our ministries to be vindictive or hateful when things aren't going well. Rather, we embrace a good attitude because we know the Lord is near. You see, if we refuse to rejoice and instead we complain, which is what a lot of us do, we can make the very nearness of God feel very far indeed. What do you do when you're going through terrible situations? The very human emotion is just to complain like we always do, right? Because misery loves company. So you're hoping that by your complaining, by you are, uh, by your constant, um, uh, you know, attitude of ingratitude, that there will be a community that forms around you um, through you, this particular pain that you're going through. And don't get me wrong. I do not believe in masking your pain, right? With a smile. I think many of us do that. Many of us are like the Joker. We are, we have, we're dealing with pain on the inside, but we paint this picture of, um, uh, a smile on our face, you know, hoping that maybe if I fake happiness, then the inside of me will be fixed. And that's not what I'm describing for you today. I'm describing it to you something that is spiritual. You see, we need God to help us rejoice when the situation isn't necessarily joyful, right? We need God to... Um, to help us in our painful situation. And what many of us, when, the reason why we're listening to this and you're like, man, Shelton, I get what you're saying, but I don't know, is because you have a constant um, behavior of trying to live life without God. So when I tell you of something that you need God for, you sit back and you say, man, I can't do that. And I want you to understand, no, you can't. 
you weird pastors kid podcast listeners you cannot have joy without jesus no joy without jesus so you must be in constant relation with him you must be falling on your knees before god and 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 having a relationship with him because he will give you joy when your situation does not seem like joy can spring out of it because he can give water out of a stone when it seems impossible he can sit back and make and heal people. He sit back and do amazing and, and things that the outside world may deem as impossible. But you've got to latch on to God. Now, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. I, I can hear you guys as you guys are listening right now. And you're like, Shelton, what has this got to do with Philippians chapter 4 verse 13? I just want to know how I'm using the verse out of context. You just talking to me about a lot of stuff right now. You preaching a little bit too much on this podcast. Can you just get to the point of me understanding what Philippians 4.13 is all about? Yes. <laughs> all right. And I hear you. I hear your, I hear your call. I hear your cries through your car speakers or through your headphones at the gym. I hear you guys right now. But what I want to do right now, I'm going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back into it. And then once we get into it, I'm going to be try to be as fast and as quick as possible. We're going to talk about Philippians 4.13, but you've got to understand the context of the verse, the verses before it so that you can understand what that verse is actually saying. So give me just one quick moment and we'll get right back with you. All right, so we're continuing this as we talk about how we're using the verse, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me out of context. We've gone through um, verses one through uh, five to kind of understand the context of it. But we're going to keep going. We're going to go with speed this through a little bit um, so we can kind of get to the, the crux of it. But in verse number six, um, after he's telling them to rejoice, man, that God is near, be gracious to other people, man, because God is near. And uh, oh, man, and, and what I love about the whole thing about God being near and you can rejoice um, because God is near, you can be you can be gracious to others because God is near, man. I think about my favorite um, Psalm in Psalm chapter number 23, you know, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. And so the presence of God himself compels you, man. You can sit back and say, man, because God is with me, I don't have to have fear because God is with me. I can rejoice because God is with me. You know, I can be gracious to other, uh, to other people because his graciousness to me just compels me to be gracious to other people. The way that he loves me compels me to love other people. The way that he, um, uh, has been so, um, amazing and kind to me compels me to just rejoice because I can rejoice in my salvation even though if my situation ain't going well so we learn this but I know for many of us we're like man but how do you do any of this first number verse number six don't worry about anything <laughs> but instead of worrying because your situation is so great right now in your life, instead of worrying, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Here's the biggest problem with us. 
the the reason why when we look at and I want you to do this with so many different um, commandments that we see in the word of God is instead of thinking to yourself, woe is me, I can't do that. Think, actually, you know what? Say that. I want you to actually say, woe is me. I can't do that. But hallelujah, Jesus can. And the thing is, as we've got to get to the point of saying, okay, many of us, man, we are trying to live this Christian life on our own. And because we're trying to live this Christian life on our own, we're trying to do um, carnal things. Um, we're, we're trying to do spiritual things with a carnal mindset. And you can't do that. You can't do a lot of these spiritual things with the same type of mind that you had, you know, in the world or the same type of mindset that we use in our everyday life. I need you to understand, okay? I need you to understand that you can't do anything without God. If you are a Christian that you're listening to me right now on your podcast, uh, right now on this podcast, I want you to understand that you cannot do anything without God. That is something that I want you to get. Uh, many of us, we go to work and we go to and we and we go to work and we try to do our marriage and we try to uh, go to church and we kind of do all these things without God in our life. This is why um, Samson had so much trouble in the Word of God is because remember, you know, when he you know, when uh, when Delilah had tricked him and deceived him and um, he got to the point where he was like, man, I'm going to beat up these Philistines like I've done all my life or what I've done so far in the Bible. This is the most the saddest verse in the word of God is where the verse says, and he wished not that the Lord had departed from him. He, he was literally saying, man, I'm going to do what I always do. And he didn't even know God wasn't even with him anymore, man. I'm going to get up and I'm going to preach like I always have preached before. Oh man, I'm going to get them on this podcast. I'm going to do what I always do. Man, I'm going to get up and I'm going to sing like I always have sang in church before. Man, I'm going to do this like I've always done before. And you don't even know God ain't even with you anymore, bro. You're doing it all on your own. And for many of us, we are waking up each and every day alone. And we don't even know that, that we don't have the power of God anymore. So... Many of us are living powerless, trying to and say, man, I'm doing this Christian life, but there's no prayer. So you can fake a lot of things, but you can't fake the power of God. So don't worry about anything, but in everything, instead of worrying, instead of doing all these things that we do, when we hear a sermon that we feel like, man, we can't do it anymore, don't worry, but through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And when you present these requests to God, instead of worrying and you're doing everything in prayer, when you're doing all these different things and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. The, the reason why many of us have, have anxiety, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. I understand the, um, I understand that mental illness isn't something you can pray away. I understand that mental illness, you, some of us need pills. I understand that some of us, you know, we need therapy. I'm not one of those crazy people that are against therapy, that are against um, pills, uh, taking pills. I'm not, I'm not that are against those particular things. So I'm going to say this out loud because I have friends who probably listen to this 
um, podcasts that are going through emotional things that are thinking about suicide that are thinking about so many different things in their own life and so I don't want to put another um, line of pressure on you saying hey the reason why you are suicidal the reason why you are depressed is your fault so let me not get into that because there's some people that are dealing that are really have true mental conditions and mental things but a lot of us the reason why we start anxious all the time the reason why that we're so scared all the time the reason why we're so afraid all the time the reason why we're fearful this might not be for you but this is for somebody today is the fact that they are not giving everything to god and i'm going to be honest this is me there's many parts of my day when i'm trying to do um, my marriage without god there are many days that i'm trying to go to work without god there are many days that i'm trying to um just live my everyday life without the presence of god but here is god is saying don't worry about anything but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your requests to god and when you do that this peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. So what it's saying is that your circumstances does not dictate the peace of God. Your situation does not dictate the peace of God. See, this peace of God, which passes all understanding, happens when circumstances are good and when circumstances are bad because it's not dictated by your emotions. It's not dictated by the state of the culture. It's not dictated by um, just personal ambition. It's not dictated by any of those particular things. All it's dictated by is your prayer life. The peace of God, the only way you can achieve it is through your prayer life. Oh, man, let's talk about this. You see, every time we begin to worry, we should see that as a call from God telling us that it's time to pray. So when worry comes, pray should come, prayer should come next. See, prayer is a relational communication or yeah, relational communication with God. It seeks to draw resources from the invisible spiritual realm into a vis- visible physical reality. The sobering truth is that the more you worry, the less you pray. But the more you pray, let's get it. The more you pray, the less you worry. You see, petitions, and when he says make all petitions, see, petitions are about being specific. You see, a moment in which you are plagued by worry is not the time for one of those general prayers for God to bless the world. See, to deal with anxiety, make sure your petitions are precise. It's time to get real with God. You see, the reason why our prayer lives can become frustrating is because many of us, we use it like it's a soda machine. You put in your money, you punch the button, and sometimes it feels like nothing is coming out. But when we think about our prayer life in those terms, it causes us to miss how prayer works. See, God wants us to make requests with thanksgiving, so we are making requests thankful. See, we're not giving thanks, not for the problem itself, but we're giving thanks for the God that you are inviting into your problem. And not just into your specific problem, because many of us, we are praying general prayers. We need to pray more specific ones. 
See, offering thanks is a demonstration of faith in God's goodness and provision despite what you see right now because you have to understand prayer and faith go hand in hand. This peace of God which passes all understanding will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So verse eight, finally, brothers and sisters, whatsoever is true, whatsoever is honorable, whatsoever is just, whatsoever is pure, whatsoever is lovely, whatsoever is commendable, if there is any moral excellency and if there is anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. You see, we don't want to lose the peace of God. We don't want to lose. We don't want to lose the peace that God grants us in the next hour or the next day. So, to prevent that, Paul says we have to dwell on what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable. Those are the things that we must dwell on continuously. Many of us, we have very negative thoughts in our minds all day long negative about other people, negative about ourselves, we must dwell on things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable. Those are the type of things that we must be dwelling on. Those things that are praiseworthy, those are the things that we must focus our attention on. And if anything that you're focusing on is not these particular things, we need to cast those things down. You see, one of the reasons why we, our peace ain't there is we tend to dwell on the things that are set in opposition to the peace that we're asking for. I don't know why, but a lot, many of us, we love negativity more than we love positivity. Boy, you sitting there, you took that picture, you look cute, you put it on the gram, and because you ain't getting as much likes as you think you should, or because someone may have put a comment you don't like, or because of whatever, a lot of us, man, we we are so um, inclined to the negative. I mean, there are many times, man, I used to, you know, I, sing, I used to sing a lot, and when I used to sing these specials and solos, if um if I get a negative comment, man, that that meant more to me than the than the many people that the the tens of people that said that they loved what when I sang or they loved when I did these particular things. So let me let me tell you let me tell you a funny story. All right, tell you a funny story. Um, I remember I was um I used to you know sing at my dad's church um, from time to time growing up, and I remember when I used to sing. There was this uh, uh, woman in the back of the church who, when I sang, um, she just had this kind of blank stare on her face, right? Um, seemed like she didn't, you know, she wasn't feeling me. So I'd be singing, praise is what I do. But she was in the back going, uh-uh, you ain't the one, bruh. Okay? So, uh, well, yeah, for some of you guys, um, you know, my dad went to a predominantly black church. So you sing a lot of, you know, black gospel music. If you don't know some of the references I'm saying, I'm sorry. All right? But needs to say, I used to be singing some of these songs, you know? Um, and I remember, you know, I was singing a song and she was just in the back, just arms crossed, looking like, eh, nah, I don't like it when you sing, man. And so, and then when this other lady used to sing, I just, I feel like she was more into it, more engaged. And so, um, I was like, man, I don't, man. So when, when I used to sing and I should be in church, I would have to not look at her at all because I was, you know, she ain't feeling me. You know, there's a lot of people that were, so, you know, whatever. So all of these thoughts, you know, you're dwelling on these particular things instead of 
singing for God and 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 for the benefit of His people, you're thinking about um, other people when that's not your motivation, right? Should not be your motivation. But anyways, we were out. Me and my dad, we were out one day, um, just knocking on doors, soul winning in the community, talking with people, and we ended up seeing her. And I remember going, oh man, I don't even want to come up to, I don't even want to be, you know, here's this lady, don't like me. And um, this lady just starts talking. She's just talking, hey, this is um, the pastor's son. You know, she was talking to like a, you know, friend of her in the community. She was, man, I just love it when this boy sings. I don't be, she said, when this boy sings, man, it just, it really helps me and encourages me and it gets me going. I just love it. And so I remember when that happened, I was like, what? You, you like it when I sing, you know, but I wasn't getting that from your facial expressions, you know. Um, but here's the crazy part. I was dwelling anytime, you know, she would be there. I was dwelling my mind on the negative. I was dwelling my mind on things that wasn't even true. But these are the things that I was dwelling on. And that's the stuff that God is saying. You need to stop dwelling on this negative things to start dwelling more on the positive things in your mind. And so in verse number 10, uh, Paul begins to say, I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were in fact, oh, um, oh, sorry. Let's, let's go back to verse number nine. Um, after he says, dwell on these things, he says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice in the Lord greatly because once again, you renewed your care for me. You were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked the opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. So now let's talk about this, you know, this contentment thing, right? So in verse number 10, contentment means being satisfied and at rest about where God has you, despite what's happening around you. It's not natural or automatic. It must be learned. See, God teaches us contentment through the ups and downs of changing circumstances. He wants us to learn to depend on him and his divine enabling no matter what. So in verse number 11, he says, I don't say this out of need. I just read this. I don't say this out of need for I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I've learned. I've learned how to do this. This, um, Despite the circumstances that are around me, I've learned to have joy despite what's going on around me. I've learned to not be tied to those particular things. Verse number 12, I know both how to make do with little and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need, I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. So what I can do all things through Christ, what's that talking about? It's talking about that I can be content in all things of life. I can be content despite what I'm going through. I can be content whether whether I'm well fed. 
I can be content whether I have money or if I don't have money. I can be content when things are going good and when things are going bad. I am able to be content in all things, in all situations through Jesus who strengthens me. That's what that verse is talking about. See, many times it seems as if God doesn't come through for us until we can't take, you know, like, man, God, God you ain't coming through for me right now. And then he, provi- he provides at just the right time, strengthening us. You see, the lesson of contentment is most effectively learned during times of suffering or need. I can do all things through Christ is saying I can be content despite the situation that I'm going through. And the reason why I can do it is because of Christ. It's through Jesus, it's through God who strengthens me. So he's talking to the Philippians and telling them that the way to be content, the way to be rejoicing, even though your circumstances are going bad, the way that you can smile, the way that you can have joy despite your situations is because you can have it. You can be content through God who strengthens you. But all of this, all of this must be bathed in prayer. The Bible, you know, when we were just talking about that verse earlier, it says, don't worry about every, but don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and this peace. See, the peace of God is not determined by your circumstances. It's determined by your prayer life. And that is something that we must dwell on. That is something that we must talk about and it's something that we got to do better in. But in Philippians chapter four, verse number 13, you're asking yourself, man, what is this verse talking about? It's talking about contentment despite your circumstances. It's talking about helping you understand that joy and all of these things, joy is not determined by the situation at hand, but it's determined by having that prayer life that you need to. And so, um, I want us to understand this as we are going through this and we are telling everybody about this verse and we got it on the keychain and we got it on, on Christian merch. You have to understand what that means. But there, even though it does not mean what we have thought it has meant over the years, it is still encouraging because it's telling us that despite our situation, despite our circumstance, despite if 2020 is the worst year of your life. You can still have joy. You can still be content because God is with you. You can still be content because God is near. You can still be content because your prayer life dictates your peace life. I want you to understand this because this can be so helpful and so um, encouraging for you this year. When you just found out that a family member had just passed away and things aren't going great and you're like, man, how am I going to live? How am I going to survive? And then you say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I can be content despite what I'm going through. Um, 
I'm going to end this with this one personal story, and then we are going to end this particular podcast. But earlier um, last year, um, well, actually, this isn't earlier, but um, around August is when this all happened. So um, really, it was in, in July, like early July, I found out that my wife was like, hey, we're pregnant. And, uh, you know, well, she's pregnant, you know what I mean? So I'm excited, super, super excited about, um, having a child, like very, very excited. Um, told some close friends, some close family, um, that, Hey man, we're going to have a child and we're super, super excited about it. Um, so we, um, so we're getting, we're super excited. We go to the doctor, you know, like you're supposed to doing all those different things. They're like, um, I don't want to be, you know, worrisome, but the baby's not growing like it should, you know? So come back in a couple of weeks, we'll really evaluate. Um, we get back to, we, so I go to this time, went to the doctor with my wife and they began to tell me that, you know, begin to tell us as we're in the room, the doctors describing or telling us that she is that, you know, we're going to miscarry and it's going to happen. So like, listen, it's going to happen um, and everything like that. And, and so they began to share that with us. And I remember um, I'm in there and I'm trying to be strong, um, but I'm, I'm hurting right um here we are we 2019 was a year of a lot of change uh 2019 was the first full calendar year that i was married you know i started uh so much of 2018 so 2018 um for seven or you can even say eight months for eight months i was you know single quote unquote and then in August, August 11th, you know, we're married. And so we finish out 2018, not really knowing what, what in the world we're doing, you know, in this marriage thing. And then 2019, you know, starting the whole calendar year being married to someone. Um, it's scary. It's crazy. And then we move. I take my wife from her family. I mean, well, from not her family, but from her friends, which are like family to her. Um... And I we and we moved to Texas, so we do this whole endeavor moving to Texas, trying to get new friends, friend groups, trying to find a church, trying to do all these different things. We, it's a year of beginnings, of change, of, of new beginnings, and um, here God was changing our family again because here we are finding out that hey, you know, she's going to. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to miscarry here. And it hadn't happened yet, but they're like, listen, I'm, we're just seeing it right now. It's going to happen soon. You can choose to take it naturally. They're going through all this process. But as they're talking, I am having a hard time processing all this. So I was supposed to go to work that day. So I was like, I took a few hours from work just so that I can spend time, you know, go to the doctor with my wife. And I was going to go to work later on but after finding out that we're not going to have a child i i went to 
some people say, hey, is there possible that I just don't come in today? So I went to work. I talked with some people, you know, can I not go to work? Because my, you know, my wife said, I, I really wish you wouldn't work. And I was like, you know what? I wish I didn't work. So went to them, asked them for some time off. They said it was fine. I'll do this situation. Um, I get home and I cry. Boo-hoo crying. Boo-hoo, boo-hoo crying for hours. Thinking inside, like God, why? Like, like God, like you know, we we trying to do the right thing. We trying to honor you. We trying to you know, lift your name up. But that's what we're gonna have a create a family that loves you. We create a family that that um, wants to that that are gonna be game changers, world changers. That are creating a family that understands that the Christian life is all that matters. God, why? And. I remember thinking to myself that God has to be great despite circumstances. See, God is good not because life is good. God is good despite circumstances, despite life, God is good because he is good. God has done so much for me. And so I remember in the middle of tears, I said, God, you're good. God, I may not understand why we lost this child or we're going to lose this child, but God, you are good. See, being content is not about man it's so easy to sit back and say you're content when life is good but you're content you can sit back and say you're content all day long but when you're going through circumstances that are outside of your control you're going through circumstances that you that you're trying to fight like god help me like what is going on that's the time where your faith is going to be put to the test the most can you say god is good can you have joy Despite your circumstances, can you be content? That is what Philippians 4.13 is all about. So if you listen to this podcast and you're like, man, Shelton, you are absolutely weird. You're absolutely right. If you listen to this podcast, you're like, man, you are definitely a pastor's kid with all of those Bible verses. Bro, you were too long today, bro. Get to the point, bro, bro, man. You are absolutely right as well. This is a Weird Pastors Kid podcast. Thank you for listening.